This is Howard, and we're back with a bonus episode of Digging for Answers, a podcast with the Susquehanna County Penn State Extension Master Gardeners. Well, it seems like we were just out last month with our first episode, and we were, but last month was February, and you know, in winter things get a little bit slower. So we're happy to be back with a bonus episode. So what we've got for you today is after this quick introduction, we're going to have Joan come back. And last month, you'll remember that Master Gardener Joan started a series and one episode for each month on the flower of the month. And this month, Joan is going to be talking about the violet. And If you happen to have a hangover right now, you really want to listen because there's a connection that I didn't know about between hangovers and violets. Then I'm going to be back with another multi-section presentation that we've had. I called it a reflection piece from um, a master gardener who's no longer here with us in Susquehanna County. She's down in Florida at this point. But she shared with us her book, Tending Your Garden, a Collection of Gardening Articles by Ruth Wilmarth. And again, Ruth, thank you if you hear this podcast for sharing this book and allowing us to, each time we do an episode, reading one of your reflection sections of your book. And I'll be presenting that again today. But then the real reason that we're doing this bonus episode is Jean is going to be back with us talking about the upcoming plant sale. If you don't know about the Master Gardener plant sale, it's been going on for many years. Of course, with COVID, we kind of had to change a few things, but now we're kind of back to the normal standard. The catalog is out. Jean is going to tell you about the who, what, when, where, why. The date is May 7th, Saturday, May 7th. But all the information and what you need to know about the plant sale, Jean is going to be covering in this special presentation today. And then I'll be back at the end of the episode with my assistant, Alexa, for a gardening joke. So, without any further ado, again, yesterday I was out in shorts and looking around, getting ready and saying, hey, the garden, look how beautiful this weather is. And then I come inside and I ask Alexa, Alexa, what's the weather right now? In Brackney, there's a winter weather advisory in effect Wednesday, March 9th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. The current weather is 28 degrees Fahrenheit with partly cloudy skies. Tonight's forecast calls for more of the same with a low of 26 degrees. And if you've never heard a report out like that, I'll tell you something. As a gardener, every morning when I get up, I ask that question and I get that forecast or I can ask about what's the forecast for the next six hours. So it's a great little tool to have. And in our next episode, I'm going to let you know how you can win one of these devices in an upcoming contest that we're going to have. So settle back, learn a little bit about violets, reflect a little bit about tending your garden, and then finally learn all the specifics about the plant sale. I'll be back with you after all those little segments. Hey 
Heritage, Joan Banyas, Penn State Extension, Master Gardener for Luzerne County. Today, I'd like to talk a little bit about the birth month flower for February. It is the violet. Roses are the predominant flower associated with February 14th, Valentine's Day. But surprisingly, February's birth flower is not the rose. February's birth flower is one that is much more modest and ordinary. It is the violet. Human communication, whether spoken, sung, written, or by the flash of a meaningful glance, carries an intended message passed from sender to receiver. Today, even with technological advances in communications, one of the most meaningful and basic ways to relay a message is all but forgotten. This way is through flowers. The language of flowers, also known as floriography, has been around since ancient times. We now have the means to relay messages instantly. Old-fashioned messaging told with flowers and their associations to a person's month of birth is not as popular or well-known as in the past. However, we can read about floriography and discover the sentiments that remain attached to flowers today. Each birth month flower has a unique meaning or characteristic that can be conveyed with the flowers where words just cannot compare. According to the Old Farmer's Almanac and other sources of folklore, violets have a history rich with symbolism. St. Valentine is said to have crushed violet flowers to use as ink to write notes to his friends during his banishment. In Christian tra traditions, the violet is associated with purity and humility, giving it one of its common names, Our Lady's Modesty. In ancient Greece, violets represented love, romance, and fertility, and were an ingredient in love potions. Violets were used to make the love potion in Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. These sweet-scented blooms are said to represent truth, loyalty, spiritual wisdom, watchfulness, and faithfulness. Especially notable story is of the Roman naturalist Pliny the Elder, praising violets' medicinal value. Purple violets are of a cooling nature. For inflammations, they are applied to the stomach in the burning heats. And for pains in the head, they are applied to the forehead, worn in garlands upon the head, or even smelt at, they dispel the fumes of wine and headache. And taken in water, they are a cure for quinsy. In modern vernacular, the violet is one of the earliest known treatments for hangovers. Although not a common hangover remedy today, violets are impressive flowers in other ways. Taken from common violet, 
on the St. Olaf College website on January 27th, 2021. Violets all belong to the genus Viola of the Violaceae family. The word violet is derived from the Latin word viola, which means violet. In the United States, there are more than 100 species of common spring violets. Violets are known to have five petals, two pairs of lateral petals, and one often with veins of another color. The leaves of violets are usually oval or heart-shaped, which may be lobed. Due to their almost universally recognized shape, these wildflowers are easy to identify. Because they hybridize freely, however, violets are often difficult to classify. Violets are ideally designed to attract insect pollinators, which aid in fertilization and reproduction. The brightly colored petals, ultraviolet veining, an occasional scent of the flowers attract many flying insects, usually bees. Winged insects like bees can easily land on the lower spurred petal, which acts as a landing strip. The colored veins of the flowers direct the insect to the floral center, which is where the nectar is located. Some species of violets have hairs near the nectar opening, which gives the insects something to grab onto as it climbs inside. The nectar location requires the insect to burrow deep inside the flower, which jars loose the pollen of the flower that's overhead. The sticky nectar acts as glue for the pollen which ensures that it is not lost as the insect travels to another flower, thereby pollinating the violets. Like other spring wildflowers, violets have certain adaptations to guarantee reproductive success, even in difficult conditions. Many violet species are responsive to light and weather. At night, in cloudy or rainy weather, the flowers will close and turn toward the ground. This protects the pollen from being washed away. This adaptation also prevents the nectar from becoming diluted in the rain. Violets are known for other uses as well. Most are edible and have medicinal properties which have practical value today. They contain salicylic acid the chief ingredient in aspirin. Certain forms of violets, therefore, may be used as pain relievers. Some are even used in cancer treatment. Being edible, they are used in salads as soup thickeners, in making tea, and when properly prepared, as candy. Sometimes referred to as Johnny Jump Ups or Meadow Violets, their heights range from a few inches to about 16 inches and flower from March through June. These perennial plants prefer wet, cool, and shady, rich, deciduous woodlands. However, 
Many gardeners consider them to be weeds since they may aggressively infiltrate lawns and landscapes. Personal perspective comes into play with the violet. Depending on your experience with violets, you may have a completely opposite opinion of these plants. You may consider the flower to be a major detriment to your garden. According to Professor of Turfgrass Science, Peter Landshut, PhD, and Penn State Extension Horticulture Educator, Tim Abbey, Wild violet is one of the most difficult weeds to control in lawns. Removal by hand is not effective unless rhizomes are excavated from the soil. Improving turf density through fertilization, regular mowing, and use of turf grasses well adapted to site conditions will help to slow the spread of this weed but may not provide effective suppression once wild violet is established. For more information about managing violets in a lawn setting, see their article, Lawn and Turf Grass Weeds, Wild Violet. It seems rather ironic then that a flower loved for so many reasons, as well as being representative for the birth month hosting Valentine's Day, can also be looked upon as something very unloved and to be avoided. Give a violet lover a bouquet to say you will always be a friend to them. However, if the intended recipient considers the violet to be a weed, maybe you should consider finding another way to express your feelings. Thank you. Hi, this is Howard, and we're back with a reflection point from Ruth Wilmerth's book, Tending Your Garden, a collection of gardening articles. If you did not catch our introduction to this series, please go back to our February podcast and learn a little bit about this wonderful master gardener and what this is all about. But without further hesitation, let's reflect on her book. And the title of the chapter is January from January 2000. After the hubbub of the holiday season and the hype of a new year, here we are in January. Not a very exciting month in the world of gardening. But then again, the seed catalogs have been arriving, and January may give us some welcome time to leisurely read them. Also, I have found January to be a good time to work on indoor plants. Many years ago, I read a comment by Jim Crockett from the Victory Garden. He stated that there are three techniques of good plant keeping. Pinching, pruning, and repotting. If you master these, you will have gone a long way toward a collection of healthy, shapely houseplants. Pinching is an easy technique, requiring no tools, only your thumbnail. Simply nip off the tender tip of stems, which will encourage more stem growth, resulting in bushy, compact plants. A full compact plant is more attractive 
which is especially true if the plant produces flowers on the stem tips. More stems, more flowers. Pruning is a technique used less frequently than pinching. With house plants, I have pruned these older, very large plants that have outgrown their space. Most woody plants can be pruned nearly to the soil line. Some can't. It is best to do a bit of research if you are unsure. A Diefenbachia, because of its tendency to drop lower leaves as it grows, is a good candidate for pruning. If you want to save a Diefenbachia, you almost have to cut it back at some point. It becomes top-heavy and wobbly as it ages. Just cutting the stems to within four or five inches of the pot rim will stimulate new growth and soon give you a new plant. Pinching a plant can be done anytime. Pruning is best done in the early spring, just before plants begin a new season of growth. A large portion of plant care I need to do this month is repotting. Plants are living things and they don't remain happy forever in the same pot. Each plant has its own timetable for needing repotting. Generally, if the foliage looks stunted or roots appear on the soil surface or come through the drainage holes, if the plant looks wilted with normal watering or the lower leaves turn yellow, the plant needs repotting. Usually, moving the plant to a pot one inch larger is enough, but if the old pot is 10 inches or larger, use one two inch larger. With many days in January ahead, I am looking forward to pinching, pruning, and repotting, hopefully ending up with happier plants. And that again is our reflection point from Ruth Wilmarth's book, Tending Your Garden, a collection of gardening articles. We'll be back in our next episode with another short reflection point from her book. Hi, my name is Jean Hollister, and I'm a Penn State Extension Master Gardener here to tell you about an upcoming spring gardening event. And speaking of, spring marks the beginning of a new cycle of seasons. The energy is palpable as we anticipate warmer temperatures, birds chirping, buds popping, and getting our gardens planned and planted. Spring would not be the same without the annual Penn State Extension Master Gardener Plant Sale and Fundraiser. We invite you to kick off your gardening season by joining us on May 7th from 9 to 3 in the parking lot of the Extension Office, located just below the courthouse at 88 Shenango Street in Montrose. Proceeds from the sale help provide horticultural information to our community and maintain our many educational gardens. It's important to know that all sales are pre-order. We encourage you to request a catalog and place your order early. The deadline to do this is April 29th. There are three convenient ways to get a catalog. 
first by calling the Extension Office's dedicated Master Gardener number at 570-666-9033. Once again, that number is 570-666-9033. Second, you can email us at susquehannamg at psu.edu or third, message us on Facebook at Penn State Extension Master Gardeners of Susquehanna County, PA and be sure to like us while visiting our Facebook page. Plants for the sale have been carefully selected by a committee of Master Gardeners. The committee chose plants appropriate for our Susquehanna County climate that are sun and shade loving, disease and pest resistant, and pollinator friendly. Unique colors were chosen for some standout favorite plants that are sure to please the eye when viewing your garden. We are partnering once again with Nanticoke Gardens located in Endicott, New York. They are a family-owned and operated nursery since 1973. Included in the catalog are several varieties of annuals, perennials, and vegetables. Annuals, those one-year wonders, enhance your garden with consistent color and continuous bloom. Speaking of color, how about a frizzle-sizzle pansy or a Super Vista Bubblegum Petunia? Hanging baskets have not been left out with two different sizes to meet the needs for your deck or porch. We love our top plant performer, the Perennial. With their ease of growing in both sun or shade, why not try some new varieties and colors this year? There is also an assortment of tried and true plants with a new twist on color. Have you ever seen a red or orange bearded iris? Or a red or yellow lupin? We've got them. For the vegetable grower, you will find peppers, broccoli, cucumbers, lettuce, eggplant, and even a flame star orange cauliflower. And for those of you that love your tomatoes, we have you covered with slicing, heirloom, canning and small fruited varieties that are just ripe for the picking on a warm summer day. Once sale day arrives, join us for a drive through pickup or stop in and browse the various educational displays and gardens. Horticultural handouts as well as information on container gardening and links to free webinars will be available. On location that same day, Master Gardener George Schreck will be teaching a Montrose Area Adult School class titled Make Your Own Tomato Cage. Separate registration is required for this class by going to the Adult School website at www.montroseadultschool.org. And why not pick up a tomato plant to go with your new cage? We are very proud of our educational gardens that surround the Extension Office. 
Our star is the gated egg garden just off the parking lot that offers several examples of raised beds and gardening methods. Feel free to browse and ask questions to master gardeners who will be on hand that day. Joining us this year at our plant sale will be members of the Montrose Garden Club. They will be conducting a bake sale and selling tree seedlings. Last but not least, the ever popular gently used gardening book, houseplant and herb sale will be part of the day. Donations for these items are greatly appreciated. Plant sale orders have already begun and April 29th, the last day to order will be here before you know it. Time is running out, so don't delay. May 7th is shaping up to be a special day for anyone who loves to garden. Most importantly, we will be there to assist you in obtaining current science-based information from Penn State University to get you ready for a productive 2022 gardening season. So mark your calendars. We hope to see you there. So this is Howard back with you. And there you have it. You've got a update on violets. And of course, with St. Patrick's Day coming up here next week, if you might be one of those people that might have a hangover, you should go out and get some violets immediately. And thank you again, Ruth, for allowing us to share a section out of your Tending Your Garden, a collection of garden articles, and especially to Jean for reporting out about the upcoming plant sale. Remember, end of April, you've got to have your order in, and then a couple weeks after that, May 7th on a Saturday, that's going to be the pickup time. And with that, we're going to go to my last step because we always like to go back to my assistant and get a parting gardening joke. Alexa, tell me a gardening joke. Why can't the bumblebee choose which flower to land on? It's having a floral dilemma. Did you get that? A floral dilemma? That's it for this episode of our podcast, Digging for Answers with the Susquehanna County Master Gardeners. And remember, if you go and subscribe to this podcast, you'll automatically get upcoming episodes from us. Thanks. Thanks.